Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. I want us to go to John chapter 11 today. John chapter 11 is for many, if you've been in church for any length of time, it's a, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. If you, uh, if you grew up in church um, as a kid, this is the, the chapter that uh, you would brag about learning your Bible verse. The shortest verse in the Bible was John 11, 35, Jesus wept. I remember as a kid telling everyone, I know this Bible verse and, and uh, Jesus wept. And every time we had to get up and, and recite a Bible verse for a prize, that was what every kid <laughs> wanted to recite was Jesus wept. It's a passage of scripture, again, that is, is familiar to many of us. I want us to begin reading in verse number one. I'm going to read a, a good portion of this chapter, because I want you to understand all that's happening here. And I want you to see this thought as we develop it here this morning. Now, a certain man in verse number one was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, him whom, him whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. I want you to mark that verse because there's something happening in the lives of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And they believe that something is going to happen. And so they send for Jesus and Jesus says this again, he says, this sickness is not unto death. So he's not sick so that we can concentrate on dying. He's sick because through this sickness, the, uh, God's going to receive glory and the son of man might be glorified thereby. Now, J Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And he had heard, therefore, that he was sick. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. I want you to mark verse number five as well, because verse number five tells us how Jesus feels about Lazarus. It tells us how he feels about this family. What's the Bible say? He loved them. This is, this is a, a, a deep care for this family. This family was special to Jesus. So there's a, there's a situation, uh, a tragic situation. Lazarus is sick. And if something doesn't change, they know that Lazarus is going to die. And they know that Jesus, if they can get Jesus here, that Jesus could fix this problem. And they knew, verse number five, they knew this about Jesus. They knew that Jesus loved them. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. And so they knew if they could get to Jesus, Jesus could fix this problem. And when, in verse number seven, then after that, he saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the, in the night, 
he stumbleth, because there's no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I might awake him out of sleep. Then the disciples uh, then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleepeth, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. I want you to mark verse number 15 as well. What a strange statement Jesus says. Jesus gets rid, says to them, he's sick, and God's going to do something through this sickness to bring glory to himself. And then later in this conversation, once Lazarus dies, Jesus says, he's dead. And then he says, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. What, 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 a, what a strange statement. Because if he was there, he could have healed him. And they would have seen Jesus once again perform a miracle they've seen him do plenty of times before. But he says, there's something in this one that I want you to get. And I'm glad I wasn't there too early for you to get this. Let's go on reading. He said this in verse number 16, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I love Thomas's. He says, we're going to die. You know, we're, we're, the, the Jews want to stone us. So, yeah, let's go visit this guy that's already died so that we can die also. There's a Thomas in every group, isn't there? <laughs> Verse number 17, then Jesus came. He found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. So I want you to think about this verse, verse number 20. They hear that Jesus is coming, and Martha's response is, I'm going to go meet him. Mary's response is, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay in this house. Four days now I've been grieving. We sent for Jesus, and he didn't come. So Martha has one reaction of going and meeting with Jesus, and she's going to flat out ask him, Jesus, why weren't you here? Mary is going to stay in the, heart, in the house, and we will read here in just a moment, the others that are there are there uh, comforting her as she, as she grieves. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. In verse number 21, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. I want you to mark verse number 21 as well. Just put a mark next to it. If you're taking notes, just write verse 21 down. I want you to see Martha's response. She said, Jesus, we needed you here. And if you would have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. This is her response to Jesus. In verse number 22, but I know 
She follows up with this, that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And, and she just got done saying, I know that whatever you want to do, God's going to do it. And Jesus said, he's going to rise again. And she says, I know he's going to rise again in the last day, but I need you to do something now. She missed out what Jesus was saying. Jesus was, going to, was saying, yes, he is going to rise again in the last day, but I'm going to do something now. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked her this question, Believest thou this, or do you believe this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when, he, and when she had said so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Now, Mary, now that Mary knows that Jesus wants to see her, he's asking specifically for her. In verse number 29, as soon as she has heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews, when they, when which, uh, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, she goeth unto the grave to weep there. So she, they obviously saw her emotion. They obviously saw her pain. Her, she was grieving. Her brother died. She had faith that Jesus could do something, but he didn't come. And so the people that were there, they don't know what's happening. And so they watch Mary leave. And verse number 32, then Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, she says the same thing that Martha said. If thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, look what happened with Jesus. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have they laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And I want you to see in verse number 37, the response of the Jews. And some of them said, they said the same thing that Martha and Mary said. Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, has caused ev that even this man should not have died? And so we find here in chapter number 11, and I know the theological part of this that we've studied, that we know, that we've heard preached. Jesus Christ is the resurrection. He is, he, he's coming again. And those that have put their faith and trust in him, they're going to rise. They're going to rise again. Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, those that have already gone before us, those that are asleep, when the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds forever. And we, we rejoice in that. We understand that. We believe that. We're excited about that. And I am excited for that very day. We had a service yesterday for Delbert Kirshner. 
a graveside service. They had a funeral service, but we had a graveside service yesterday. And, um, and I told the family this, there's going to come a day that a trump's going to sound. His body is going to come up out of that ground. How that's going to work, I don't know. But I know it's going to happen because God's word says it is. And so we find in John chapter 11, we find that Jesus is just simply telling them, I am the resurrection. If you believe in me, you will have everlasting life. And we know that that is what John 11 is speaking about. But there was something else that was happening in this chapter as well. And there were seven, several statements that Jesus had made leading up to this time visiting the tomb of Lazarus. One that intrigues me is this, that we read, Jesus, when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he chose to wait a couple days. Now, you and I both know this. As soon as we hear somebody is sick or we hear that somebody is hurting, we stop what we're doing and we get there as soon as we possibly can to be with the family, to be with that person, maybe to see him one last time. But Jesus, on purpose, he stayed for a couple days. As I read through this passage of scripture, I think to myself, what is he doing? Why is he going to stay? His disciples, now he's in hiding, if you would, at this point, because the Jews are trying to, to stone Jesus, trying to kill Jesus. And so he's not, he's not necessarily out in the open as he was previously, uh, as we read of the miracles that he did. Now he's well known. Now the, the religious uh, uh, crowd is, is wanting Jesus dead because he is causing people to follow after this gospel that he's teaching. And so he has to be careful. And his disciples are there with him, and, and, and he says, we're going to go now. Now that he's dead, we're going to go. And Thomas says, oh, great, now we're all going to die together. That's not what Jesus is after. He says, I'm going to go because God is going to be glorified in this. He gets there, and Martha's very first reaction to him is, Jesus, you're late. He says, Martha, I'm not late. I'm God. And she runs and she says, Mary, Jesus wants to see you too. And Mary runs to Jesus. And the first thing she says to Jesus is, Jesus, you're late. And the Bible says Jesus' reaction after this second time was he, he groaned. He wept. The Jews, when they saw Jesus, they said, he's late. He could have healed this man. He could have done this, but he chose not to. And now Mary's hurting and Martha's hurting. The Jews are doubting. And I want us to look today at unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Everyone in this room has this one thing in common. You've had expectations of someone and they failed you. Everybody, everybody in this room, you've had an expectation of someone and they let you down. You thought something should be a certain way and they who had what you thought the power to change this didn't show up. 
And now your life is in turmoil. Every, every, every spouse, maybe at a time in your marriage, you have a crisis in your marriage because of an expectation that you have for your spouse. They were supposed to do something and they didn't. And it causes a crisis. It causes a problem. It causes an issue in your marriage. Every parent to their child, they have an expectation. And there's failed expectations or unmet expectations. We thought you were supposed to do this. And you did not live up to the expectation that we had for you. Every employee at times has been upset with their employer because of unmet expectations. Every employer has been upset with an employee. Friendships have been hurt and friendships have been broken because of expectations that have gone unmet. You ever said this? Well, you should have known. You know what you're saying? There was an expectation that I had for you that you did not live up to. And I see in this passage of scripture, there's an expectation that Martha and Mary and the Jews and even the disciples had on Jesus and Jesus didn't meet this expectation that they had on his life. A church member has expectations. A pastor has expectations. And many a times when we have expectations and they go unmet, problems arise. You thought something should have happened a certain way and it didn't happen this way. And now you're upset because of what? Unmet expectations. We're... My, my wife and I were traveling. This is years ago. We were traveling. We stopped in, in Michigan. It was, I was visiting my grandparents. And we stopped in Jackson, Michigan at a hotel. That was our first problem. We stopped thinking we could get a good hotel in Jackson, Michigan. We got into this hotel. It was late at night. I mean, it was, it was late and we got into this room and I think we had maybe one or two or maybe, maybe, maybe three kids at that time, but we got in this room and my wife, it doesn't matter if we get in the hotel room at five o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning, she does the same thing. She does like the bug search. She does the, she, she flips the bed over. She looks behind the curtains. I mean, it's like this thing that she does to make sure it's clean. Cause she will not, no matter how tired we are, she will not let us get into a dirty bed. And she did. She started this inspection. I could tell by the look on her face, we're in trouble. <laughs> and she turned back the sheets. And as she turned back the sheets, there we saw a coffee lid fly up out of the middle of the sheets. And she said, I think they didn't clean these sheets. I think somebody was drinking coffee and they just made this bed. And so I went back to this room and I said uh, the, to the to the place, the, the uh, uh, manager, I said, Man, my my wife's crazy. She's nuts. <laughs> We're really, really tired, but she has a problem getting into sheets that the last guy that rented, you know, used. And I told her what was there, and they said, We're sorry, we don't have any other rooms. You'll have to use that one. And so I went back to my wife and I said, Babe, they don't have any other rooms. We have to use this one. She says, We don't have to use this one. She expected to go into a room that was clean. 
She expected to go into a room that had clean sheets. And guess what? We had an unmet expectation. And I thought going to the manager would have been no problem. Just use the room. You've already paid for it. Unmet expectations. We, we often ask, how was it or how did it go? What are we saying? What are we really saying? Were your expectations met? If you go to a restaurant to eat or you go on vacation, hey, how was it? What are you asking? Did, you, did it meet your expectations? And your answer is either going to be, yes, my expectations were met, or no, I don't recommend, I overpaid, or this wasn't what we wanted, or unmet expectations. And unmet expectations can cause a world of problems. And that's what's happening here in John chapter 11. Jesus, you were supposed to be here. And because you weren't here, Lazarus died. We expected you. When we called for you, we expected you to come. We believed that you could have met this need back here. But now the need, the problem is so great. Now we sit in pain. Three times we see it. Verse number 21, Martha, she has an unmet expectation. Verse number uh, 32, Mary has an unmet expectation. In verse number 37, the Jews, now they say if he would have been here, he could heal the sick. He could have, he could have met this need. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I want you to mark this down, please. Most unmet expectations come from a selfish intent. Most unmet expectations come from a very selfish intent. You didn't, now I hurt. You didn't, now I have pain. You didn't do what I expected you to do, and now I'm left hurting. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get what I deserved. You know what an unmet expectation can be? This just isn't fair. The Jews in verse number 37, they said this, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man should not have died. And what they're saying, Jesus, you have gone and we've heard you've healed the blind. You have caused the deaf to hear. You have caused the, the lame to walk. You have caused others that have had sicknesses to get better, but you didn't come and you didn't heal Lazarus. You could have, but you chose not to. You know what they're saying? This doesn't seem fair. Unmet expectations causes you to come to a place where those that didn't meet your expectation, you're now even questioning the fairness. We want this person to fix our problem or make our problems go away. What you're saying is this, Martha, Mary, the others, I hurt and I need you to stop it for me. I, I hurt, and I need you to fix this. I have a problem, and I needed you to know. I needed you to resolve this. And hear me today, unrealistic expectations. 
We see it in marriages. Well, he should have known. She should have known. One of the greatest problems of unmet expectations is it puts the emotions on, uh, 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 on me and how I feel. Very self-centered. We, we see it, as I mentioned, we see it in marriages. You didn't do this. Or you should know what I want. It robs us. It robs us of our joy in a relationship, and it causes us to play the victim. I needed you to fix this, and you didn't, so now, therefore, I'm wronged. Or I didn't get this. My daughter, Kaylee, she hates when I tell this story, but it fits this so well. She was young, and I'll never forget, we, it was Christmas morning, and we had all these gifts. And, you know, when you're, when you're buying gifts for your kids, uh, for when they're small, you're really buying them for yourself um, because you, you, you're, you're hoping, you know, they enjoy them. And so she, she bought, she opened all her gifts, and I, I'll never forget, she had this look on her face like she was sad. She, she had all of her gifts opened and sitting next to her, and she's just looking under the tree. And the gifts are all gone. And I, I said to her, I said, babe, what, what's wrong? And she said, is there any more? I wanted to take every one of those other gifts, put it back in the box and take them back to the store. Is there any more? What do you mean? There's a hundred of them sitting next to you. She wanted a hundred and one. What was she saying? I expect more. I've been good this year. I, I, I think that there's got to be more under that tree, and there wasn't. And so guess what? I didn't get more in unmet expectation because she wanted more. We see it in this Bible story. Martha and Mary make it known to Jesus. You're late. You could have fixed this problem, and you didn't. We find, first of all, unmet, unrealist, unmet expectations are self-centered at times. Number two, I want you to write this down. Unmet expectations cause unnecessary hurt. Unmet expectations cause unnecessary hurt. Now, I hope this is going to make sense to you today because I really want to help us. Because many of us as people pleasers, we want to spend our life making people happy. And you know what you're going to find? It's impossible. It's impossible. I'm preaching to you a message today, and I've been preaching to you last several weeks, messages where the Lord has just been dealing with me. Just, just dealing with my emotions, dealing with, with me. And this is one of those things the Lord has just really impressed upon me is unrealistic expectations. What I expect out of others and what others expect out of me. If you live to try to please everyone, you know what you will, will happen? You'll end up pleasing no one. Unnecessary hurt comes. 
In verse number 19, in verse number 21, Martha is hurting. She comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have been hurting and Lazarus would have been dead and this problem would have been solved. Unnecessary hurt comes. She's hurting in verse number 31, in verse number 32, in verse number 33. Mary is weeping. She's emotional. She's grieving. Why? Her brother is dead. And Jesus, you could have fixed this. And now I'm weeping. Verse number 33, verse number 35, verse number 38. Jesus, look with me, Jesus now, he's even groaning in his spirit. Now, Jesus knows what's going to happen. He, in the beginning of this chapter, he says to him, don't worry, Lazarus is not dead. The Lord's going to be glorified. He knew exactly what was going to happen here. So why is he weeping? Why is he grieving? Because he's seeing the reaction of all of those around him. He is wanting to show them that God is in control, that God is, 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 is going to fix this issue, but they are looking and wondering why they're hurting, and Jesus begins to, to grieve. He's troubled in his spirit, the Bible says. In verse number 37, this unnecessary hurt, what? The Jews begin to doubt. Why doesn't he fix this? Lazarus died. This is the, 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 the crutch of the story as we get to this place. Lazarus died. Jesus, you needed to be here. And because you were not, we are hurting. Have you ever been hurt because of an unmet expectation? I want you to write this down in your heart someplace. We must learn to see things not through this world's eyes, but we as believers in Christ must learn to see things through the lenses of Scripture. We must learn to see things through the lens of Scripture. They're seeing everything through their emotion and through their hurt and through Jesus. You could have fixed this and we wouldn't have been hurting and the Jews wouldn't have been doubting and none of this bad would have happened, Jesus, if you just would have been here like we ask you to be here. Unmet expectations cause a, a world of hurt. Our feelings can't be so inflamed when things don't go the way we want them to go. But it is so natural as a human being, when something doesn't go our way, when we become hurt, when, when somebody doesn't deal with us like we want them to deal with us, our feelings become inflamed and we begin to act out based upon our emotions instead of acting out based upon our understanding of Scripture. And Jesus tried to bring Martha back to it. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection. And she's like, oh yeah, I know you are. I know you are. In the last days, I know he's going to rise again, but I need your help right now. And isn't that so often we do this? When we have a problem, we're like, I know what scripture says, but I'm hurting now. I don't, what, what, is, what are we saying? I don't need a lecture now. I needed you to fix this. And when this becomes our response, Great harm comes because what happens? Bitterness sets in, hard feelings set in, and many relationships are damaged because of the hurt caused by unmet expectations. I'm round and third, I want you to write this down. Number three, when we see things this way, we miss what God is doing. 
when we put the expectations on others to fix our problems. We miss what God is doing in our life when we put the expectations on others to fix our problems. And this is where I see what Jesus from the beginning of this chapter is really wanting to show everybody involved. The question is, Jesus, would you have healed him of his sickness if you had been here? And the answer is yes. But you know what they, God wants to do? He wants to show them that Jesus is the resurrection. He wants to show them that Jesus can do more than cause the blind to see. He can cause the dead to rise again. You have this view, God, get me out of this situation because I know you can. God wants you to see, I can get you out of the most impossible situation. We miss, we miss what God is doing. Jesus said in verse number 15, I am glad, I am glad for your sake that I wasn't there. What is he saying? He's setting up this story for this. He's saying to his disciples, there's going to be something done. God is going to do something that you've never seen before. God is going to use me to, to, to glorify himself. You are going to see I am the son of God. You are going to witness firsthand that I am the resurrection. It's not just something I'm saying. I'm going to show you who I am. God was using this to show his son. They wanted Jesus to heal him. But Jesus had greater plans in store for them. You see, sometimes we want our spouse, we want our husband, our wife, our friends, our pastor, our church member, our, our, our employer, our employee, we want them to meet a need. But I want to tell you this, if they were able to meet the need, you would have to settle for less. Because the need that God is going to meet is greater than you could ever imagine. But sometimes we just are good settling for less. And God never intended for us to settle for less. And when we come to the place where we put the pressures on everyone else to make us happy, to make us enjoy life and make us and our problems go away, we fail to see God working. When we want others to meet expectations only God can meet, we can become very discouraged. I wrote this down. I want you to write this in your heart. We need to see God. We need to see God's power. We need to see God work. I, I don't know about you. I am, I'm at the place. I'm tired of, of, of putting things on man and man, watching man work and settling for that. We, we ought to desire to see a mighty moving of God. Amen. We ought to desire to see revival take place. We ought to desire for God to do the impossible. We ought to desire as a church to see God do what only God can do. And when he does it, he receives glory. Amen. We, need to ex we need to experience God working. You know, sometimes as a parent, I want to meet every single need my kids have. 
and many parents do. But hear me, parents, you're going to fail as a parent if you teach your kids that you and your spouse can fix all of their problems. You're going to fail them because you failed to teach them that there's some things only God can do. You have failed to teach them the power of prayer. If dad can meet all your needs, you don't need God. And if you're raising children that don't need God, you're going to fail. Listen to me, some of us, we, our spouses, we, we want them to, to fix our problems. We want them to read our mind. And even though, even though you have that person that you love and God has put you together, they're not going to meet every single need that you have. You've got to know God. And when we put that expectation on someone else, eventually we'll fail to see God. And why would we want to live our life just getting the best of what another human being could give us and failing to see what God can give us? I've thought this so often. I wish so-and-so would fix my problem. So-and-so can't fix my problem. Stop putting that expectation on them. I wish this would go away. That won't go away. Why? Because God wants a greater plan. Wives, your husband isn't everything. And I know you're thinking, I know that. I figured that out. You don't have to tell me that. (laughs) There are some things, listen to me, wives, there are some things that your husband cannot do because they're not God. And when you put that expectation on them, you'll end up hurting your relationship. Listen to me, husbands. There are some things your wives cannot do. Now, that's the first for us because we think they're super women. But guess what? God didn't give you a spouse to meet every single need you have. He didn't give you a spouse to meet the needs only he can meet. He looked at Adam and said, Adam, it's not good that you'd be alone, so I'm going to give you help me. But he never said, Adam, now you don't need me. Eve, you don't need me. And what happened when they went off by themselves and they didn't need God? They made a really bad decision. We don't need to teach our children, mom and dad have all the answers. You know what I want my children to know? Sometimes I don't know, but there's a God in heaven that wants you to pray, that wants you to go, that wants you to beg, that wants you to go to the throne room of heaven, and he has all the answers you need. Unmet expectations. Your wife isn't all. I'm not all. But you know what? God is. And God allows us to meet some expectations, but there are some that only God can meet. And we can't take his place. You know what would be good for some of us to do? Realize it. And stop trying to live this people-pleasing unmet expectations, and it'd be good for others to stop trying to let someone else meet an expectation in their life only God can meet. Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there because there's something I want to show you.
I want to show you that I am the resurrection. And I want to show you the glory of God. You see, if we could meet all of each other's expectations, we wouldn't need God. And God never intended for us to live a Christian life absent from him. Unmet expectations. How's your marriage today? Is it strained because there's unmet expectations? Parents, how's your relationship with your children? Is it strained because there's unmet expectations? Maybe some of you this week, you're saying, boy, I'm going to go in and I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. This is it. I really mean it. It's the hundredth time, but I mean it this time. I'm going to quit work because of some unmet expectations. Is there turmoil in any relationship in your life because of unmet expectations? Listen to me. Let God work. Let God reveal what he's doing. And let him be God. And let him go to that tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes stepping out of that tomb. It was no longer, wow, he could heal the the deaf and the blind and the lame, it's he can cause the dead to come to life. This must be the son of God. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.